Uh, good morning. Today's daf is daf Chavches, page 28 in the Hidika Masechus Kedushin. And we're going to pick up with on daf Chavches, Samad Aleph with Ashkechon Bevadai, which is the third line. The very first two words, let's just remind ourselves what we, the topic we're involved in, and that is something called Gilgul Shvua. When somebody's obligated at an oath, can I add another oath to the tab? Despite the fact that whatever I'm adding to the tab, I would not have initially been allowed to obligate an oath on. Okay? <coughs> so for example, we proved that by a Saita, when she's brought to the base of Mikdash, the husband, when, he, when uh, we have her give us an oath, a commitment, that she has not had relations with anybody during the suin, we can also add to the tab, Arison. Now you were not unfaithful during Erison, the first stage of marriage either. Now even though in general you can't obligate, uh, there's no din of Saita by Erison, so you're not going to bring her to the base of Mikdash and have her take an oath on this. Once we're obligating the Suan, we'll obligate Erison. So we proved there's this concept of Gilgul Shrua. So two, since we find it by Saita, the Gemara said yesterday, the same thing would hold true with financial matters. To which the Gemara asked, I, You can't learn out the laws of financial matters from the laws of prohibition. And Sota is in the category of the law of prohibition. So we said that's true, even though in general we do not learn out Mammon from Isser, but we do make Kalvachomers. We do make a Kalvachomer from the laws of Isurim to the laws of finances. And when it comes to a, uh, when it comes to a Saita, where you need two witnesses to obligate the initial oath. So it's very hard to obligate an oath by Saita. You need mamish two witnesses. Still, even though it's hard to obligate oaths, we'll add oaths to the tab. How much more so when it comes to our case of our Mishnah by the, by the uh, land obligating oath, when it comes to money, usually by money you can obligate an oath with a single witness. So it's easier to obligate an oath. How much more so can you add an oath to the tab? Once it's easy to obligate oaths initially, you should certainly be capable of doing a Gilgul Shrua, of adding on oaths, okay? So again, even though the Gemara seems to be saying, even though general we do make a Kabuchim. So here it says the Gemara like this. Ashkan Vadai, we find, this is where we're up to the third line, we find that you can make a Gilgul Shvua when somebody has a Vadai claim. He says, I know for sure that you owe me this money or you're, you, you sold to me the land along with the movable property. Okay? I know this for a fact. Suffolk Menolan. How do we know that you can have a Gilgul Shvua when the one making the claim is only suspicious? And he's like, you know what? Once I make you make a shvua, I, I'm not so sure that you're being uh, so honest in this other area. Add it on as a gogul shvua. When you're making a definite claim, we find gogul shvua. How do you know that even if once you're making a, a claim that obligates the shvua, you could even add if you're uncertain? It says the halachas of shvua um, in a regular bezdin, referring to outside outside the base of mikdash, but never shvua befnim. And it refers to the oaths that take, took place in the Beis HaMikdash, i.e. the laws of Saita. 
Mashu Amorim Befrim, just like the oats inside the Besamikdash, also Basafik Bavadai. We make a Safik like a Vadai because a Sota, the whole thing is an uncertainty. The husband doesn't know for sure that she was, that she had relations and she was unfaithful. It's just the whole thing's a Safik, it's a doubt. And still we say he can obligate her in a Shvua inside the Besamikdash, Afshu Amorim Bechutz. So when it comes to an oath outside the base of Mikdash, also by Safik Abadai, we make a Safik like a Vadai, a, a, a su- suspicious claim, a claim of suspicion. Uh, we'll make it like a definite claim and be, allow um, the claimant to ask for a Gogol Shvua. Okay. Period. Says the Gemara, Ad Heichan Gogol Shvua. Now here's the question. You come to me and you say, Tendler, you're obligated to make an oath on this property. And once you make an oath on the property, I suspect something else, and I want you to add it to the Shavuot tab. Make an oath on that too. Gemara asks, Ad how far can you go? Can I say, can you say to me when you come to claim, listen, Tendler, I want you to take an oath about the land, or actually more about movable property. Swear that you don't owe me that car. And by the way, there was one time where you told me something when we were uh, 14 years old in high school. We were ninth grade. I want you to also take an oath that what you told me was true back then. Can you do that? How far does Google Shavuot go? You can just add whatever you want to the tab when you want clarity. You can say, swear to me that you're not my Evet. Okay, swear to me, you're not, you're not my Evan. Says the Gemara, Says the Gemara, one second. If you ever call somebody an Evan, there's a powerful idea. You go into here. You're excommunicated. You cannot call somebody a name unless you know what you're talking about. Be very careful. And therefore, if somebody with a claim against somebody else, Reuben has a claim against Shimon, and he says to Shimon, claim, swear to me, you're not my Ever. He says, Gemara, that ain't going to work. We'll even put Reuben and Cherem for doing that. You kidding me? You come with a claim against another Yid like that? Somebody says, you, Eved, we put him, we excommunicate him. You say, you, Mamzer, he's obligated to Malchus. You, Russia, get ready, Malachayai. So um, the halacha is <coughs> that Rashi says whoever has a whoever was called the uh, Russia can uh, open up uh, can open um, open up competition against the first guy, which means we don't uh, we're not going to help the first guy if his livelihood starts to be harmed. Okay, so it's less of a claim when you call somebody a Russia. You didn't do something uh, as terrible as calling him a mamzer ever. He ruined his yichus. But either way, what you see from here is we're pretty stark on name calling. So how can you say, oh, I swear to be not my Evid? You don't have a right to open your mouth in that area. Not I'm calling him in Evid. What it means is, swear to me that you were never sold to me as an Evid. Okay? Swear to me you never sold to me as an Evid. So you could say, I was never sold. As an evidence, that you're not calling. Says the says the Gemara. He says, understand something. Yeah, the uh, issue over there is that's a financial dispute. 
He's telling the guy, I, I think you're my Ebed Ivri. Okay? So why is this something that's so wild? Like, oh, also, I mean, if you wanted to swear that, you're coming with a financial claim, and it's a normal thing to come with a financial claim to somebody, especially if you, th- if you think they're your Ebed. That's not some wild thing you're saying about somebody. Rava Tamei, Damar Rava, Ebed Ivri, Gufay Rava holds an Ebed Ivri's actual body is owned by the master. Therefore, he's mamish called mitaltalin. He's called uh, he's called movable property, and it's taka chiddush that um, it's taka chiddush that we're going to obligate an oath and we can add the gilgul So we're basically saying you could. Be, how far does gilgul work? It includes mitaltalin. Iachi hainu karkas, and the same thing as land. The land we said was a classic example. You have movable property along with land. You could do Gilgul Shvua. So again, if you're going to consider Nebed Ivri to be Metaltalin, why are we considering this to be an extreme case of Gilgul Shvua? It's a classic case of Gilgul Shvua. Says Gemara, no, because Mahu Dutema, Karkahu the Inchi Dimezavne Bitsina, is Im Isa Dezavin Lestakala. When it comes to land, sometimes it's not, it's not, it's not always put in the classifieds in the newspaper, and therefore, if it, the land taka would have been purchased, it's not less lakala. There's no it means. There's no sound to it. There's no voice to it. It's not necessarily known, and since it's not necessarily known, so um, the, in, in general, there's no there's no times where somebody can make a claim. And everybody else is like, no, there's no way that's possible. Anything's possible when, when it comes to uh, private transactions, but hi. But over here, where you want the guy to say, you were never sold to me as an evidivri, im isa dezavin, if it's true, he would have been sold as an evidivri, kala islay, it would be known. People know who the avadim are, and therefore, if nobody knows this guy's your evid, what right do you have to add that on as a gugul shvua? We could say to the one making the claim, you can't obligate a gugul shvua, but that he's not your evid. If he would be your evid, we would all know about this. That's a wild claim. Things that are private are not a wild claim. There's no way for us to know. Things that are public, it's public. Who the evidence is? You can't add that to the tab. Kamash Malon, the Kiddush over here is that you could add it to the tab. So let's go back to, let's, let's bring this Gemara full circle. The Gemara started out by saying, Ad How far can the one making the claim go to add on an additional Shvua to the, to the obligation and say, I'm extending my Shvua to this? The answer is, he can add it on even to situations that people should know, but they don't. Like in heaven. Swear to me, not my heaven. Well, swear not my heaven. Yeah. yeah. I, if I'd be your heaven, everybody would know about it. Of course I'm not your heaven. No. I can still add a Gilgul Shvua. That's the Kiddush. Okay. Says the Mishnah. When everybody, um, call any situation where you use payment for something else. Once the, um, once the seller is in it, once he owns it, the other guy is obligated to give the other item. Okay? So what's happening is like this. If the purchaser gives money to the seller, so... The seller now acquires the money 
and the property should become the buyer's. Now, what would happen in the, in, if something goes wrong with this property now? The buyer would take the loss, okay? Or let's talk about this. What happens if the, um, yeah, let, let's, uh, let, let's just mention that part for now. Again, so the seller takes money. The buyer is now responsible to exchange and make sure everything is paid up because it's a done deal. That's basically what it means. It's a done deal. What's the nafkamina? Nafkamina is here if something goes wrong. Now, this type of exchange seems to be some sort of, this type of acquisition seems to be like a chalip in some sort of exchange. Let's explain now. Ketzad, what are we referring to when we're saying another type of transaction? Hechlif shar bepara. So two people, one owns an ox, one owns a cow, and they agree they're going to exchange the ox for the cow. Ay chamar bishar. Or an, a donkey for an axe. Once one of them acquires the donkey, the other guy acquires the axe. When it comes to an exchange, once one party affects it, the whole thing, the whole transaction is affected. Okay? You don't need both of them uh, uh, making full kinyan. Says the Gemara, Chalipin mai nihu. Okay, what are we talking about this uh, general exchange? So Gemara says, you can even have a chalipin with a coin, and we're not going to call it a purchase, a sale of money. I'm agreeing that there's going to be an exchange type of ownership. You're going to exchange money with an ox. Shmamina, so you learn from our Mishnah, money could be owned for chalipin. This is interesting. You'd think it's a sale, but it's not. It's chalipin. All right? If you decide they're going to work as an exchange, as opposed to a monetary purchase, you could do it in that way. Amar Rav Yehud. Rav Yehud says, you should know, that's not necessarily true, that coins, currency, could be used for chalipin, but rather, this is what our Mishnah means. Kol hanisum damim ba'acher. Whenever you have nisum, nisum is, sum is to evaluate. Whenever you have evaluation as payment for something else, you want to evaluate the value of something, top of Amud Beis, once one side of it has been zaycha, has taken ownership, the other guy is obligated in, in the exchange, he now has to give the donkey over, has to give the ox over, whatever is being exchanged for it, because it's considered a done deal. Dekanami, you can imply that this is what the Mishnah means, the Ketani, as the Mishnah says, Ketzad, what's the case of our Mishnah? You learn from over here, why are we giving two examples of animals? To the exclusion, says the Gemara, of using currency, which means that actually, what we want to walk away with right now is that if somebody uses currency as part of a exchange, Chalipin will not be affected. Chalipin does not work on money. And this that we thought originally, that coins can function in a way of exchange acquisition. My Ketzad. So what would our Mishnah mean? Now we originally thought, you know, our Mishnah is done with the laws of Chalipin. And it's even including currency. Well, if it's including, if it's including currency, why didn't the Mishnah use currency as an example? Why is it using different types of animals instead? Answer so the Gemara, Hachikamar, our Mishnah would, be, would mean as follows. Again, this is hypothetical. If 
currency would work with Chalipin, how would you understand our Mishnah? It would be understood, Hachikamar, Peris Nami of the Chalipin, also Peris, fruits, could be used with Chalipin, okay, any sort of vessel. Ketzad, for example, Hichlif, Besar, Shar, Bepara, if let's say you change the meat, the meat of the ox, okay, so we're kind of uh, saying, uh, not necessarily the ox itself, but even the meat can be used as a Chalipin, a Besar Chamar Beshar, once one of them has acquired it, then they're obligated. Uh, they're obligated in chalipin. So we'd be dealing with the uh, value of things as opposed to the the uh, entity itself. And if you're using it the value of things, then it could even. Uh, I, I would have thought it could even apply to currency again, which is about value. Say Honey, says the Gemara. That way, you would have hypothetically understood the Mishnah that we're referring to the meat. We're referring to the peros of what you get from something. It makes sense according to Rav Sheshesh, who says fruit, produce, can be used in Chalipin, but not everybody agrees to that. According to Rav Nachman, how are you going to understand the Mishnah to hypothetically mean currency? What it would mean is, there's some sorts of there's times where value, where, where money, dumim, uh, um, currency, could work as chalipin. Again, hypothetically. Ketzad, for example, if you're changing the value of, of these things. Okay, now, bottom line is, that was all hypothetical. So can you use money for chalipin? Can, you, can you, we use currency for chalipin? No. We cannot. No currency for Khalipa. Says the Gemara. My time? My time. What's the reason that currency is used as payment and the acquisition is going to be a sale as opposed to Khalipa? So we hold up like Rabbechanan, Tomar, Devar Tayyamah as we learned prior in the Masechta, biblically, when I pay for something, the item becomes mine right away. What was the reason why we said that even if I pay for it, it's not mine until I actually take it, make an acquisition, besides from money, because there's a decree, maybe the owner will end up telling the buyer, if a fire breaks out in the silos of the seller, and the buyer already gave him an upfront payment, the seller is not going to save the buyer's things first. He could say to him, this is the translation of these words, Nisrafu, it has burnt, Chitecha, your wheat, Balia, in the attic. Your wheat burnt. There's a fire. I'm not going to be first to save your stuff. So we're going to say, that I want to make Xera, that even if I pay for something, it's not mine until I take ownership. This way, the seller will take good care of it. Otherwise, it's his loss. But the Gemara says, most of the Shriach goes Barabban. The Rabbana made this Gzeira in things that are common. Common meaning purchasing. I give money for the wheat. The wheat comes to me. That, that's, that's how sales work. Most of the Shriach goes Barabban. But something that's not common, the Rabbana did not make a decree. Okay? So, we're only going to make the decree that ownership does not, that a, a transfer of money does not take ownership when it's working in ways of a sale. It's not working in ways of a sale. The Rabbana never made this decree. According to Rish Lakish, 
who says that either way money does not acquire biblically. Meshicha is what, uh, is what uh, acquires biblically. So what's the Chiddush of our Mishnah? He says, it's understandable. Coins are not, do not acquire my mukila. How's he going to understand the Mishnah? He does not hold like Rev Nachman. Okay. Next Mishnah. Here we go. We're now going to shift into a, re, a, a new realm. This is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And that is how a Yid interacts financially with the property of the Beis HaMikdash. We've been learning various ways to acquire amongst Yidin, amongst each other. How do we act how do we create effect in our interactions with the Beis HaMikdash? So here we go. This is precious. Rishus HaGavaya. If something is owned by the Gavaya, the high one, referring to the Beis HaMikdash. Bekesef. The way to purchase something from the Beis HaMikdash. Beis HaMikdash is making a yard sale. How do you take acquisition from the Beis HaMikdash? With money. You pay the treasury of the Beis HaMikdash. When you take ownership from somebody else's property, not Hektish, I have to do an act of ownership on it. Okay? Says Rashi, I pull it towards me. So again, when I buy from the Beis HaMikdash, I own it as soon as I pay. When I buy from somebody else, I have to do an act, I have to do an act of acquisition. Amirasai Ligavaya. When somebody says something about the Beis Hamikdash, for example, if I were to say that something is hectish, as soon as those words come out of my mouth, it's hectish. It's as if I gave a gift to somebody else who already took it. And the same way when I give a gift to somebody else and he takes it, I cannot back out. He already acquired it. If I say something belongs to Hekdish, Hekdish has already acquired it with my mere statement. Zokt, the Gemara Tanur Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. Ketzad Rosh Hashanah How does Hekdish, how do I acquire from Hekdish Bekesev with money? Gizbar, you have a treasure, Shnasamayis Bebehemahom. He gives money also. Here we're dealing with hektish purchasing from a private person. So let's say the treasurer gave money because they needed more animals for the Beis HaMikdash. Even if the animal is, uh, is in Australia, Kano. The Beis HaMikdash has acquired the animal. Nobody can back out of this deal. But let's say it would be a headyite, a regular person purchasing an animal in Australia. It's not his until he does a Kenya Meshicha. On the animal, in what way is speaking to Gavaya like handing over to a private person? If somebody says this ox is a carbon ayla, is a hektish. My house belongs to hektish. The ox and house somewhere else in Australia. Kana the beis at that moment already owns the house, already owns the ox. What happens if if uh, this is? Uh, uh, regular person, so I say this regular person 
owns my house. This regular person owns my animal. Allah is, like Kana, he doesn't acquire it. Top of Choftes, Ad, Shayim Shaykh, until this other guy does a Kenya Meshicha, the Yachzik, and does an, uh, and does an act of Chazaka. Now, um, the Yachzik, Rashi says, is not referring to the ox, it's referring to the house. Okay, it's Babayas, it's referring to the house. So it's not that you need both, it's one or the other. Bottom line is, you got to do one act uh, of, acquisi- of acquisition. Okay. Says the Gemara Vaiter. Mashchai b'mana. If somebody took something close that belonged to Hektish, that had the value of a mana, we're going to call it $100. But he didn't pay for it. And now it's worth $200. You got to pay the 200 bucks. My time, huh? It says Natari, he gives the money, and then it's established by his. Okay, things that belong to the base of only become the property of the individual when it is paid for. Next halacha, Moshchai b'masayim. If let's say I took something from the hektish that had a value of $200, v'loi hispik levdaisa, and I didn't pay for it, achamad b'mane, it went down in value, still naisim masayim, I gotta pay more. I gotta pay the value from the time I took it. I, why? It says, v'nosan akesef akamlai, only become yours when you pay. My time, we never allow the power of, an, of a personal transaction between individuals to give more kayach, more power than over hektish. So if the halacha is, there's a rule. So if the halacha is by a private person, if, as soon as I take it, even if I haven't paid for it, I have to pay the original amount. I'm gonna, the higher original amount, the same thing holds true by hektish. Let's say I paid for it when it was worth 200. And I didn't do Meshicha. I didn't make an act of acquisition. I did pay for it, but I didn't acquire it. Achamarabana went down in value. Nice and I got to still pay more. My time of Nasana Kesavikam. Again, the property of Hektish is always going to have the upper hand on the value that it could demand for payment. Padai Mamana. Let's say I redeemed from Hektish. I paid $100. And I didn't do a Kini Meshicha yet. Masha Pada Padoi. So. I paid for it. And you only pay a mana. You only pay $100, says the Gemara. I don't understand. Am I? Why? We should say you have to pay the higher amount. The, the, a, a regular person should not have a stronger kayach than that of the Beis HaMikdash. Says the Gemara. It's true. However, if you have two individuals that are making an agreement between them, there, and, and somebody pays, and the other guy backs out of the sale when payment has already been given. What's the halacha? The halacha is, you backed out, beseder. That's fine. You know what? Legally, you could. You know why? Because again, when I'm purchasing something from a private person, I need to make a kinyan mashicha. I need to pull it towards me. I paid the guy a hundred. We have an agreement. I'm giving you $1,000 for this. That was our agreement. I haven't yet taken it. Even though I haven't yet taken it, for the seller to back out is terrible midas, we'll call it. And there's actually a, a curse on him called Mishapar. Why are you acting like that? Now, why would somebody do that? So like this. You agree to sell me something for $1,000. I pay you. It goes up in value. Before I have a chance to bring my truck to take the stuff. By the time I get back, the stocks have gone up. It's worth 1200 bucks. 
You're going to go and say, you know, you don't really own it. I just back out of our agreement. Nah, backing out. Because you know you can make more money elsewhere. It's terrible. Says the Gemara, are you allowed to? Legally? Yeah, because again, you don't have ownership. I don't have ownership until I actually took it. But there's a claim of Misha part. What are you doing? Why, why, why are you acting like that to people? It's not, it's not the proper way that a Yid should ask. So too we say by the Beis HaMikdash as well. When the Beis HaMikdash says, sells something to somebody else, and the person paid for it, and now it goes up in value, we're not going to obligate you to pay more. Because of Misha Parah, the Beis HaMikdash represents the Rebbe Shalom, and that's not the uh, proper uh, Mahalach when dealing in business. The lesson in business, the way, the, the way that we're meant, menschlich wise, to, uh, to interact with each other. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. We're up to the Mishnah. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, everyone.